I'm Ted Brzezelski. This is another episode of Words and Work. Uh, this week's interview uh, is with David Dickerson, a local author, and it goes a little long, so I'm just going to go ahead and get it started. All right, so we've got uh, David Dickerson here. Um, so first of all, I want to talk to you about how you how you came to be a writer. When was it that you put, you know, 10 or 20 words on a piece of paper and realized that that's a, that was a thing you could do? Right. I, I think it was, um, oh, it was, uh, uh, oh, hi, Ted, by the way. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, How um, are you doing, David? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, of course, you know, all my life. Like when I was a kid, I remember um, it was uh, Flannery O'Connor who once said that uh, that the reason she was a writer was she couldn't do anything else. Uh, and I think that's that's definitely how it's felt like to me, where, where like you know, anything else I tried was not fun. Writing always was. You know, for I, I, I uh, in third grade, I won uh, uh, an award for my short story "El Grino the Lizard" here in Tucson at the Young Tucson Young Writers Conference, uh, and you know that that started the ball rolling. <laughs> yeah, they, they, there was some good stuff that came out of those because <laughs> I remember when I was a little kid, I would read the other. I mean, I'd submit stuff and it never would win, uh, but then I then I would read oh. some stuff and I was always, you know embarrassed for myself how sophisticated some of it was you know um, i'm i'm surprised that other cities don't have you know like like we're very very lucky in tucson to have had that young writers thing i don't know if it's still around it's been you know ages but uh that was really really a good thing um so after college what was your first big writing gig oh first of all you know let me let me tell you i just want to tell everyone how i first encountered you it was the uh, the the librarian at the U of A, a man named David Laird, uh, used to have a he, to to prevent graffiti, or he thought to prevent graffiti. I think on the the landing on the second floor of the staircase, there was a board where people could just write stuff on the board, and you were a frequent contributor, and you would even do a little uh, caricature of yourself on there. I'd completely forgotten about that, but right, that was so much fun. I had so much like free time in college to kill, and I was like, I'll swing by the library and write some funny joke on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My gosh, that's amazing. So, I, but, so I didn't realize that's where you knew me from. That, that's kind of well, yeah. And then I met you through Comedy Corner because you did a few things with them as well. Right, um, Comedy Corner is where I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, so wow, that's amazing. I, okay, I, I know, yeah. I, I, I used to write. I, I used to write little poems. Uh, yeah. I'm, 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 well, because 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 uh, David Laird would write questions about like what do we do like what 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 is your favorite book how many, you know, he would also try to inspire commentary mm -hmm. or you know what to do about like what, what would you improve about and I about the library and I uh, and I often responded with light verse poems or little cartoons or whatever and mm -hmm. I remember he actually said are you Frank Baum reincarnated which was very nice <laughs> that's, uh, no, that's good I like that. Um, so after college, what was your, your first big writing gig? I, I uh, was very, very lucky. My first job out of college, I uh, applied for and got a job writing greeting cards for Hallmark. Uh, this was back when greeting cards existed uh, and, uh, or when, when, the, when the industry hadn't been completely destroyed and hollowed out by Facebook, uh, where people used cards to keep in touch with each other. 
And uh, yeah, so I, I was actually very, very lucky. I had a creative writing degree and uh, was one of the few people at Hallmark who had a creative writing degree. In fact, uh, Hallmark, you know, you can't major in greeting cards anywhere in the country. So they would just hire people from who just happened to be good. Uh, at the time, I was working uh, alongside uh, one guy who had a PhD in philology, which is uh, Greek and Latin, or Greek, and, is it Greek and Latin? I think it's Greek and Latin, yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, on the other side of me, I had a guy who had only delivered pizzas uh, in uh, Colorado for eight years before he got hired. As long as you were a good writer, they didn't really care where you came from or, you know, what your, what your resume looked like. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I read somewhere that uh, Lou Reed started uh, as a greeting card writer, and I'm, I, I shudder to oh, wow. think what those greeting cards were like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, you do have to sort of shut down your own personality <laughs> to, to write yeah. greeting cards because you really are just serving other people. So my guess is if he's a good writer, he, he his personality would not have shown up in them at all. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I mean, you never get credit for the writing anyway. Yeah. Oh, no, no, of course not. I mean, that, that just, I mean, that, that's a, uh, uh, something you would expect, uh, you know, I mean, cause I'll, yeah, it's work for hire. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's work that I've done that no one knows it was me and you know, that's fine. I, I, um, but, um, so after that, after doing the greeting card writing, what else did you go into? Because I know you've done appearances on This American Life and The Moth and and things like that. How, how did you? I, I don't want to say fall into those things, but but you know, there's always a little bit of luck involved. I realize, but what what what, what happened? Right, right, yeah. Um, what happened was actually a uh, after I left Hallmark, I went back to grad school. Uh, and, uh, for again, more creative writing, cause it was just fun and, uh, ran into a friend who wound up on this American life. And I wrote to him and asked him, how do you do that? He wrote back and said, well, they send out this thing, which they don't do anymore, but they sent out, a, they used to send out regular requests for like, here are ideas we're working on. Do you have anything? And one of them was about puzzles. And I said, oh, my God, if you want to talk about puzzles, I, I'm a member of the National Puzzlers League and we have a big convention coming up and it'll, it's going to be great. They, you know, agreed to work with me. And uh, the person, the reporter who worked with me liked me enough that uh, I was sort of fast tracked for the next time I had a I had a story pitch. So I wound up appearing on This American Life six times over the course of the next couple of years. It was really, really nice. And, you know, it doesn't pay the rent, particularly in New York, but it was uh, really, really nice to know that, you know, I was telling a 10 to 15 minute story and literally millions of people were hearing it. It was nice. Yeah. I, you know, so. I mean, one of the things that I, I do appreciate about this American life, I mean, I, I know that there are people that criticize it for being too cutesy and twee at times and, and, it, you know, but, but there are folks that there are writers that I've seen that have been, elevated in the public discourse out of that thing i mean i think about like sarah vowell for example i mean where where who would know mm -hmm. who she was if it wasn't for this american life and she does some really oh david sedaris david sedaris's career is yeah. is dead you know would not have existed david rakoff is another one and yeah. that actually reminds me one of the things that's kind of interesting to me about this american life is it's uh is its uh arc is almost exactly the same arc as the new yorker 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the New Yorker started as a as a weekly humor magazine. That's exactly how it pitched itself. And then once it got respectable, it started attracting really good writers. It then started taking on serious things, and then it became this you know literary phenomenon. And that's exactly what happened to the, this American Life. It started out just doing jokes, just doing funny little weird little things, and then they started taking on really really serious topics. Uh, and so now, when they go back to humor, people think they're uh, they you know, they're they're being elected lightweight and silly and pointless and like actually that's their roots that's really how they were built to begin with so it's the it's the, it's the peabodies that are new <laughs> yeah 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 you know so um you know i i know you had a couple i, I and I, I always refer to it as a monograph which probably makes it sound more hoity-toity than it was but you had that the the, the book that you wrote called uh, why tolkien sucks uh, which yes. I, which <laughs> i i enjoyed even though i like tolkien but um, and um, but along the way, you also uh, ended up with a gig, a really unusual gig. Well, I shouldn't say unusual, but something that people wouldn't expect to be something that you hire writers for necessarily. I think it's one of these things that's kind of invisible to people. But you were a question writer on a game show. Right, right. Uh, that that was that again was one of these things. It's strange how many things in my life happen as a result of the National Puzzlers League that I'm a member of. Uh, so I was like back in Tucson looking for work, desperate for anything at all, because uh, because that's how writers li- live. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and I got a call out of the blue, like literally, I, I was supposed to be looking for work, and instead I was goofing off on Facebook, and a Facebook message popped up from a friend in Hollywood who said, "Hey." Um, we're uh, we're on a game show. We're we're working on a game show, and we're told that uh, you are funny, that you know the Bible, and you also know how to tell puzzles, how, you know, how to create puzzle questions. Could you come come by and help us out? And uh, I was like, uh, okay, that sounds fun. And they said, great. Can you be here tomorrow? And I was like, oh, wait, what? Uh, apparently, they want you to show up on time, and they assume everyone lives in L.A. So I <laughs> hopped on the fastest train I could, and yeah. uh, and uh, and the next thing I knew, I was writing a game show. It was crazy. It was called uh, the American Bible Challenge. It was hosted by Jeff Foxworthy, and it went uh, three seasons. It was the most successful show on uh, the Game Show Network uh, at the time, and uh, and. Uh, we even got nominated for an Emmy, uh, uh, two two Emmys uh, in there in our second season. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, so you, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I mean, just just to kind of explain things to people, I mean, you grew up in an evangelical family. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you're not. That's not your. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's not you anymore. But so I mean, it did give you some, uh, you know, the uh, yes, the credentials. Technically, technically my. Um, my right, my my undergraduate degree was religious studies and creative writing because yeah. I also was thinking of being a pastor. And it turns out, if you you know actually do religious studies right, you uh, learn <laughs> that uh, a lot of the things you're raised with uh, in Sunday school are not true. And yeah. so I wound up focusing on creative writing instead. Well, I know. I mean, so, one yeah. of the things, but, that but I've yes, I still, I still, anyone, anyone who was, I was going to say, anyone who was raised. A conservative evangelical carries that with them forever. I have found that anywhere I go, if I talk to someone who was raised that way, we can have a two-hour conversation easy, uh, just about the rapture, about you know uh, the satanic panic of the '80s or whatever else that you know we've all yeah. been through it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm Catholic, so I get the same experience because I, I, I meet people who are lapsed Catholics, and there's, I won't, I mean, and, and you know, people who are beyond lapsed that have rejected everything that, that are like, oh, God, screw those guys, you know, kind of thing. And, but then they want to talk to me about it, you know, <laughs> and, and so um, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, but well, well, uh, well, for, for, for ex evangelicals, it's like sharing war stories. Uh, that's that's so it's a I find it a very bonding experience. Well, well, one of the things that I've talked to you about this before, um, you did a you did a TED talk about your time on the show, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone because I'd rather everyone go and look up David Dickerson TED talk. <laughs> you know, on, yeah, on, on I think YouTube. I think I think that'll send you there. It's called it's called fact checking the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and because that, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the thing that's interesting, and like I said, I'm not trying to spoil it because I'd rather folks watch it because I think you did a really good job of, I think, really with and probably because of your background, I think, but of of really kind of uh, showing people what the mindset is of evangelicals and of uh, of of kind of, of of how they approach faith. Um, without insulting anyone, without passing judgment, you were just sort of saying, here's something I was asked to do because this was our audience. And it was, it was interesting. Right, I, right. I, I thought it was really well done. Um, and, and I think I've told oh, you that too many times, you know, but, but uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know. Um, so who do you read? Uh, it's funny. I, uh, back in my like literary fiction days, when I went back to grad school after Hallmark, I was like, I have to do brainy stuff. And so I was reading all of the, you know, the, the, the alternative, uh, crazy people like, uh, uh, Donald Bartleme and, uh, and, uh, Italo Calvino, these people who are doing metafiction, you know, the, the David Foster Wallace and all those, uh, because it was, who was in the same creative writing program. He was in the same creative writing program you were. David Foster Wallace. He was at the U of A. We did. I know he he was he was ahead of me though. He had he had he had already moved on to uh, either California or Illinois by then. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he was he, he we we yeah. But but we we, we claimed him uh, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think he did undergraduate at, okay. at U of A, and uh, his actual like his actual graduate work was at Illinois or someplace. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I. Um, uh, where was I with this? Hold on, you asked me. Oh, 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 the stuff I was reading, the stuff I was reading. And it turned out that the stuff I enjoyed uh, was mostly funny. Like, I was not especially interested in literary, in like, in like experimental weird fiction that was grim. Uh, so I was never a fan of, um, oh God, what was her name? She did all kinds of like alternative stuff in the 80s. She did one called Don Quixote. She did another. Oh, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on the name. But there were there were certain people who were doing uh, like or okay, like William S. Burroughs. He's not funny. He's just kind of dark and grim and sleazy. Uh, and uh, I mean, stuff is weird. But uh, Italo Calvino is inherently heart, uh, lighthearted, and uh, and uh, Donald Bartlemy is in inherently funny. Like he's mostly telling jokes. And those are the the writers I eventually liked. And uh, uh, by the time I tried and failed to get uh, a teaching job anywhere, because it turns out I was known for writing humor, and that's not what the academy particularly cares for. 
uh, particularly if you're a, like a white guy now, like, I mean, I mean, I totally understand. You're like, well, who wants to hear from another one of me? Uh, and so I, uh, uh, I, uh, lately have just been, uh, reading the stuff I enjoyed as a kid, uh, science fiction and fantasy. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I completely lost all respectability and I'm just having fun with, with plots and, and you know, and, and swords and, and uh, hijinks. It's really, really been fun. Uh, so I haven't read anything respectable in about 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, you know, you got to think about like, you're, you're almost coming up with that attitude that uh, parents get, you know, Johnny's reading, you know, all the swords and sorcery or, or whatever. And then you say, well, at least he's reading. <laughs> you know. Right. Well, well, actually, it's 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 uh, more uh, sinister than that to an extent, yeah. because uh, what I've noticed <laughs> is that I've actually made more money from my writing once I gave up literary credibility. Uh, like I, <laughs> so I, I write under a pseudonym of uh, Dixon Chance, and I've gotten more money from any of that stuff that I have written. I mean, not much, but it's like you know, two hundred here, one hundred and fifty there for these stories. That you know, if you send to literary magazines, you submit and submit and submit and never get accepted. And when you do get accepted, you don't get any money at all. It's ridiculous. I just I just sold two poems to uh, the the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. That's like a hundred dollars each. That's more money than any actual poet I know makes for their poetry. Yeah. Uh, so I I'm feeling like like I made the right choice. Uh, and, and also, frankly, more people read the magazine of science fiction than read, you know, Calix or, or you know the other any of the other like literary magazines out there. Well, so uh, it's uh, kind of nice. You, when, you, when you've when you've told me about getting into those magazines before, I I, uh, uh, I was hardened a little bit because you know I'll read these biographies of you know. Uh, you know, Robert Howard or, or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Heinlein or all these people. And they were getting all these stories into these magazines that don't exist anymore. And that it's hard to think about, yeah. you know, well, you know, who, how do you, how do these guys start out now when there isn't the magazines that will publish, you know, uh, a 4,000 word story rather than a novel. You know, and, and right. but, but so they're still right. around. It's just harder to find them, right? You don't seek them out, right? Right. Like, like, like particularly in my case, like I'm, I'm writing uh, uh, sword and sorcery, which is silly. Yeah. Sword and sorcery with two women characters, and that does not exist. Like, there isn't other people doing that. And in general, the uh, the industry has moved to, particularly fantasy, has moved to a books and b epic, huge books that are really trilogies. You know, like it's it's uh, uh, so if you like short, punchy, light stories like I do, there really isn't that many places to publish, which is why I I published poems, <laughs> but not not I haven't uh, uh, sold a story yet. Well, well, you, well, you know, I, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of 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 the Witcher novels, but I, I just finished. Oh, one sure. Up. Sure. Yeah, I finished one up and it was it, it was long and, and kind of plotting at places. And I realized when I was finished with it, it would make no sense if it wasn't part of this series, you know, whereas you could actually read those early stories that the guy did 
and they were all punchy. Like right, the 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 the, the, the fix-ups is what they yeah. were called. Yeah. Uh, back in the in the forties and fifties, a fix-up right where you just take a bunch of short stories and assemble them as 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 if they were a novel. That's like yeah. that's how you get the Illustrated Man. That's how you get uh, the Voyage Martian of Chronicles. the Beagle. Uh, Arsene Chronicles, uh, uh, and so well, in fact, all of the um, all of the uh, Fafford and Gray Mouser stories are like that too, where you have some just some kind of like very very thin uh, uh, frame story to assemble a bunch of short stories under, and uh, that that's yeah, that's that's what the early Witcher stories are like, and it turns out that that's the kind of thing I the kind of writing I like to do and the kind of reading I like to do, which is why uh, you know where are you going to go in literary fiction for that sort of experience? You just can't. Uh, and what I love about them, particularly these really good early stuff, like all the all the the uh, uh, early Elric Moorcock stories are like this too, where you just uh, you, you you leap in, you go straight to the weird stuff that's happening. It's dazzling, it's visually interesting, it's you know it's fun, and then you're out. And uh, thank you, that was that was a good solid shot of literary dopamine, and that's what I needed. I'm not, uh, I'm, not I'm not here I'm not here for the for the slow tour of every goddamn tree in the forest thank you yeah. Tolkien yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, well you know but but do you think I mean what you know you, you talked about lack of respectability and all this but do you think we're in a moment right now you know you you had the 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 Tolkien movies um the, the Witcher mm -hmm. series the 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 uh, on TV with, with Game of Thrones and stuff and then even to some extent, you could say with MCU, because that's a similar yeah, yeah. thing. Um, it's just people are wearing tights rather than leather armor. Um, right. What Do you think we're in a moment where maybe not respectability from academia, but more respectability within pop culture for those things? And does that help? Oh, absolutely. People like you? Well, well. I want to say, actually, it's in a way, it is respectability from academia because um, before there were, but uh, before there were MFA programs, people were writing everything, you know. So you could have like Tolstoy could like dabble in, in the macabre, and you know, uh, and so it was only with the rise of the MFA program where you started to see like this is what literary fiction is and it is not genre fiction that those marketing categories started dividing up and what i've seen in the last you know 10 20 years or something is uh is uh the mainstream writers are trying to do stuff you know like um are, are taking on like people who've written about this sad academic in his 40s are suddenly switching to go okay how about a zombie novel uh mm -hmm. like uh, so uh oh is it colson whitehead for example i believe has a zombie novel um hey, that, uh, that, that was oh, funny God, to see uh, yeah, yeah, uh, but you know, it, it's stuff like that is happening uh, across the board more and more in literary fiction. And oh, oh, I'm sorry, like Ta-Nehisi Coates, right, was writing for Black Panther, right? He went from writing for the Atlantic Monthly and did uh, uh, you know, for um, uh, Roxane Gay, right? All these, all of these uh, authors are, yeah, are actually finding respectability and relevance uh, through uh, genre fiction. It's absolutely the case. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're in a moment partly because, you know, CGI is to the point where you can make the movies now and they look real and they don't look utterly ridiculous. Uh, and uh, I don't know, partly just because the geeks grew up and took over the world. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we uh, uh, you don't like like 
who would have guessed that uh, one of the most popular, you know, uh, YouTube series would be sitting and watching voice actors play Dungeons and Dragons. And yet it happened. It was, uh, that's amazing to me. Or, or the fact that something like, like Dungeons and Dragons is on Stranger Things and, you know, massively popular. Uh, that's, uh, I, I think there's been a sort of a, an overall geekification of culture that has uh, dramatically helped. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because I think about Stranger Things and there was even a little bit of a representation of Dungeons and Dragons on uh, um, on the show uh, House of Lies because one of the uh, characters... Oh, really? There was I thought you were going to say Big Bang Theory because surely... No, 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 Big Bang Theory. Bang. Well, there's a little bit of that. But I think about, you know, Back, in, you know, when I was growing up, um, the representations of the game were like someone who had never, I don't think, even seen the books, you know, I mean, much less. Right. Yes. You know, I, I think of that, you know, you know, it's one of those one of those Tom Hanks movies. No one wants to remember that Tom Hanks was in Wizards and Warriors. Right. Yeah, Mazes and Monsters, I'm sorry. Wizards and Warriors was yeah. the TV show that was real bad. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, God. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's going to be time here for us to wrap it up. But um, I, what what is it that you're working on now if someone wants to find – things that you've been writing. I know that you've, you've, you've done some of the storytelling projects that, that Tony Paniagua is involved in, but I, I get, I don't know if that's going to start up soon again with COVID. Kind it, of. It, yeah. It's, it, I've already been getting the emails. So yeah, I know that I know they're, they're going to start doing that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Live storytelling on stage is essentially like doing what this American life does. Yeah. Only you know, live. That was one of the things I loved doing best in New York city. You run into great people. I will say, cause I used to do stand up comedy too. And yeah. When you are hanging out with stand-up comedians after the show, everyone is basically trying out new material. You can't really tell if they're being real with you. When you hang out with storytellers after a show, everyone has fascinating stories to tell, and they're all true. It's really, I'd much rather hang out with storytellers. At any rate, one one thing I was going to say is that... uh, if there's there's almost no genre you can be into these days where you can't, with enough entrepreneurial determination, find your audience. There's a guy who is doing Amish space opera, like series of books, and has made enough money to you know to to self support. Uh, this is right. I mean, it's a very strange uh, uh, subgenre, right? But between, <laughs> yeah. I I, uh, I, I, I wouldn't think that would be big enough to be a subgenre. Right, right. No, so it's um, yeah. Well, he he found his own thing, right? That he's yeah, interested yeah, yeah. in doing, uh, and um, and so there's been a lot of movement. Like, oh, uh, 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 Hugh Howie, I think. Uh, uh, no, who's, who's the guy that did The Martian? Uh, was like that started as a as a self published book, uh, and um, uh, at any rate, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting lost a little. But what I'm saying is that uh, between. Uh, being able to self-publish instantly online in any number of formats and uh, being able to Kickstarter and get Patreon support. Uh, there are a thousand ways for small little, you know, subcultures to bloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so it's uh, it's been really, really good uh, for independent writing in general. Uh, you don't even need to go to the bookstore these days. Like you really can't just go online and go, what's, 
who's doing what? Let me check out. Let me check out Patreon. Let me check out Kickstarter. Uh, you know, uh, who's 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 got a new PDF out? Yeah, I, I was trying to write. I mean, I wrote and I wrote a short story, and I can show you sometime. But I was trying to write a. Oh, it was. Um, it took place in the 1880s in Arizona, but the trouble was it wasn't a western. I mean, it wasn't. It was. You know, it was about a lawman and everything, but it didn't follow any of the conventions. And so people said, yeah, you're not going to be able to get this published because people want right. Westerns. They, they come in these three or four different flavors and you're none of those. <laughs> you know, so. Right. And that, and that is the problem. Ultimately, you are still chasing the audience yeah. to a certain extent. Uh, like like that's uh, to go back to greeting cards, actually. One of the things yeah. uh, you always see in greeting card stories or like you know fiction where they don't know what they're talking about they'll have the greeting card industry make up a new holiday that happened in 500 days of summer it happened in you know it happened in the, the i think it happened in mr deeds at any rate and but you wouldn't do that because if you made a card and no one wanted it you know no one had any reason to want it it would not sell and that's the you've got the same problem you've got to go instead well, okay what are people interested in how can i meet that demand so even now like i have a friend who is making a couple thousand a year extra just writing romance novels because romance n readers can never get enough and so you you know, you know they're working on on commission you know just yeah. pumping out you know, tremendous amounts of, uh, of words uh just to meet the demand and you would think like in a you know in an era where everyone's got a million different streaming services reading would maybe have fallen aside and this is not the case uh, uh, people are reading as much as or not more than ever. So well, uh, it's a it's a good time to be a writer in many ways. Well, I, I, that's a good note to end on um, because that's that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, Dave, for oh, chatting. <laughs> sure, uh, it, it, it's been a pleasure, and uh, you know I'll see you uh, next week. All right. Thank you for listening. Words and work is a presentation of Downtown Radio and of the National Writers Union Tucson chapter. See y'all next week.